Hello friends, welcome back to Imaginary Advice, uh, I hope you're good. Well, um, originally, this episode, that's episode 30, um, was, also, was also, I was going to make it uh, the podcast's special two-year anniversary episode. Um, I do have something special prepared, but it's just taking a little bit longer than I anticipated. I'm, I'm, I'm still right in the end of it. And I didn't want to rush it through because, you know, you know, you, you know me, I'm all about... <coughs> quality so uh i'm just gonna push back the uh the birthday episode to episode number 31 which i'll upload in a couple of weeks instead this month i thought i'd share with you something equally special this is something that i actually recorded though for uh, for another podcast one track minds is a storytelling podcast about the songs that changed your life uh it's hosted by the excellent Christian Brody, uh, produced by Very Fine. Uh, two weeks ago, Christian invited me to a live taping of the One Track Minds podcast at the Tabernacle in West London. Uh, Christian said that I could basically, I could talk about any song that I wanted, any song that had a lasting impression on my life, both, you know, like personally and, uh, and, and on my work as an artist. So, um, yeah, here I am. Okay, uh, so uh, the song that I've picked to talk about tonight is uh, the theme tune to Robocop on, on the Game Boy. <laughs> and I know that, like, that I'm not being fast, I like, like, the, the, the I want to talk about this song because it is very, very important to me. And it's not just important as an, as an element of nostalgia. Like, I don't want to just, like, stand here to you guys and say, like, oh, remember about Robocop? Remember Game Boys? Because, yeah, we, there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff out there uh, already. But I, I want to talk about this particular song because um, it, it taught me an important lesson on how I should make art. And kind of by extension, it, it, it also uh, taught me how to be a human being. Uh, and that's a very, that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's a, that's a big thing to, 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 to lay at the door of Robocop on the Game Boy. Um, but like, in, in order to get there, I've just got to set some context. Um, so Robocop came out on the Game Boy in 1990, uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, my friend Rich Evans, uh, he had a Game Boy that he'd bring into school. And, uh, sometimes if we were like called into different lunch groups, uh, Rich would let me play on his Game Boy while he ate his lunch. Now, usually I just have to accept whatever cartridge was in the game, and usually at that time in 1990, that would be Robocop. Robocop, the film, was an 18 certificate, so like, I hadn't seen the film uh, when, when I actually first played the video game. Not that it mattered, because I loved video games regardless. Also, what kind of backstory is really required to enjoy a video game in the, the 1990s? It, the rules are walk to the right, uh, <laughs> Keys open doors, kill everyone. That's all you need to know. But now this is a further wrinkle. Robocop on the Game Boy is fucking, it's impossible. Uh, the game opens uh, on, on a city street in Detroit. You are controlling the, the titular robot cop. 
Uh, you walk about four steps down the street. A punk appears in the window above you. He shoots you. You die. And that is the story of Robocop. In my school days, I don't think I was able to last more than 10 seconds as Robocop before being shot in the head. And like, it feels like it sh- you should be able to shoot diagonally up to the window, but you can't. You can either shoot a long ways or up. So you end up doing this, this jig until, you know, like, a- a- until like the punk appears at the window, push you out of your misery. So in my peak, right, in 1990, at my peak, I'm killing Robocop 80 to 100 times a day. What could make someone keep playing a game like that? What possible reward could there be for staying at that Sisyphean coalface? Failing and failing and failing and failing, day after day after day, only the theme tune. Only that, Jonathan Dunn's original composition that plays over the game's opening credits, thus the music you return to every single time you die. That's why. Uh, This beautiful piece of 8-bit electronica, uh, so beautiful and uplifting, and yet tinged with this this deep, deep melancholy. Uh, it, it sounds like... Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like it should be the theme music for Robocop. Um, the official score, uh, produced by uh, Basil Polidurus, uh, the one that he wrote for the, for the, for the motion picture, like that, that is uh, like it's appropriately dark and brooding. Actually, it kind of sounds a lot like the, uh, like the Terminator theme tune. It's kind of like cold and metallic and sort of ominous. Jonathan Dunn's Game Boy version, on the other hand, Completely different composition. Dunn's version feels more like a love theme. It, 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 it's, it, it's more like the song that would play at Robocop's wedding. Not, not the song he would use to GM up for going on the beat. Um, now, and, and so personally, like, I think this song was designed with a completely different purpose. It's not being designed to set the scene. It's not introducing you to the mean streets of Detroit. It's not meant to be heard as a beginning at all. And of course, as I said, the, the, the song loops back around every single time that you die. But I don't think it's meant to be heard as a, as a song for an ending either. Like, ending songs are usually funeral dirges. Those kind of sad little ditties just to, to roll over the game over credits. Um, what Jonathan Dunn has given us is a theme it, that I, I think is actually the piece of music that you would tend to hear in a film between the end of Act 2 and the start of Act 3. Uh, for me, like, this is the moment in a film, that, that moment when you've got like a group of heroes and, and, and they've been through just about as much as they can take and every single one of them has been broken. They've all had the things that define them stripped away from them one by one, but it's still not over yet. There's still one last task ahead of them. Something uncertain lies in wait in the shadows. The future so terrifying and unknowable that, that, that every single instinct is telling the group to turn back. But then, one by one, each member of the group stands and says, Well, you know what? You guys are in. I'm in too. And they stand together as friends because they realize that together they have the strength that each of them lacks alone. And they will sacrifice everything to protect that bond. 
I know that's a lot of drama to get out of a very, very short piece of music that doesn't have any lyrics. <laughs> but that's the scene I see in my head. Okay. In Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, uh, I think this moment gets called the meeting with the goddess. Um, um, well, that tends to mean like a moment of spiritual unity uh, when you're at your deepest, darkest moment. On the story circle, it's the moment that you're kind of furthest from home. But yet, it's the moment when you start to learn something about who you really are. And when that music plays in Robocop on the Game Boy, it triggers like a similar scene in my head. Right? It makes me think, yes, right? I've just died as Robocop, no less. But I have not failed alone. In fact, millions of other kids have definitely screwed up this video game just as bad as I have. And you know what? They're still in, but I'm in too. I won't let one dead Robocop drag me off this path of destiny because failure, failure isn't what tears us apart. Failure is what brings us together. So yes, I'll play again. I'll keep fighting together until the end. This is what is so fascinating, I think, about Jonathan Dunn's composition. I think the song knows that the game is too cruel. And so it dramatizes failure into an ever-repeating loop. And that makes you the player. You're the hero, not the short-lived robotic cop that only lives 30 seconds and can't fire diagonally. You, you the player, you are the central character. You're the person whose trials we are following. Now, I think this kind of stuff is the most interesting part video game design. All, all games try and solve this problem differently. But the problem is essentially, it's always the same. How can we use failure as a way to spur us on instead of something that pushes us away? Because that, that is not just a video game problem. That, that's a life problem right there. You've got teenagers in school that, that, that really struggle staying on a single task for more than a few minutes and that, that, that sort of switch off when faced with a new challenge because they're afraid of the unknown. Ideally, you know, they're afraid of failing and yet these same kids are going home and then playing the same level of Call of Duty for four hours solid, dying over and over and over again in pursuit of the 100% perfect rendition. All I'm saying is I think that sometimes I think when it comes to failure, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from, from games, the, the stuff that I learned from games. And so like the message of this song, it, it, it kind of remained with me long after it was kind of separated from its source. Like I, I held on to it. I made like a mixtape uh, on cassette, all my favorite video game themes. We, we, all, we all did, didn't we? I held, holding up a mic to the speaker. And what I found out was whenever I was down, whenever I was lonely, when I felt like I'd failed, it was the Robocop song that brought me back around. Because I think it stopped making things feel like endings. It put an extra act in front of me, another chance to die over. And over time, I learned to apply this approach to my writing as well. Writing, for me, it became like a game. I would set the rules to a puzzle, and then I'd try to solve that puzzle. Uh, like, you know, writing a poem that only contains one vowel. Or, 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 yeah, or, or like writing a play that reverses halfway through, like a, like a palindrome. And, and, and this is how I learned to write. And the trick I found, and I know this might sound counterintuitive, but the trick I found was that I needed to make my word games 
really, really hard, like cynically and devastatingly unfair. I had to make my writing challenges just as hard as Robocop on the Game Boy. Because if I did this, then this impossible word game would push me to reveal things that I didn't really want to reveal. I would fail so many times trying to write that I'd stop being afraid of failure. And through that endless process, I might even learn something about myself. I might even get to meet the goddess. I, I once wrote a, uh, I wrote like an hour-long poem that was meant to synchronize shot for shot with an old VHS tape that I, I found uh, in my attic. And it, it, it was so hard to write that just through the process of doing it, I ended up sort of confessing uh, to having uh, depression. And that wasn't something that I, I'd ever even admitted to myself before that moment. I just needed a game that was hard enough to force out the truth. And by doing that, it felt incredible. It, it, it felt uplifting and powerful. And also, you know, yeah, in a weird way, it felt melancholy, uh, just like the song itself. So um, I think we're just about to listen to it. But what I, I will say is that I, I think it might be quite nice. I might dedicate it to to my granddad because um, the night that my granddad died, uh, I, I went for a walk on my own uh, to kind of process what had happened. And I was living in Liverpool at the time. And I, I went for a walk through Sefton Park. And then this, the Robocop theme, it kind of came on my iPod. And I, I just kind of stopped in the middle of this, this kind of big... Victorian Park uh, in the middle of the night and just sort of stopped and kind of listened to it and absorbed it. And I know how stupid it sounds, but you know, it kind of gave me like a weird sense of strength. It helped me sort of fold that sadness into a new beginning. Uh, so uh, this is for you, Alec. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. You've just listened to the original Game Boy composition of Robocop by Jonathan Dunn. Uh, throughout the episode, 
uh, I was adding in some little bits of a lovely Vaporware remix of the song uh, that I found online. Uh, that remix, it was made by an internet artist. I think he might go under the name Chef Boyardee. Was it, that, 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 might, that might be his name. You don't know. Um, if you type Dilbert3 into YouTube, uh, you can watch the whole uh, video that he made for that song. Uh, that The video is <laughs> astonishing. You, sh you should see it. Um, my talk is featured on the, uh, the the current One Track Minds episode, uh, this this week's episode. If you love Imaginary Advice, I think you're really gonna love One Track Minds. Uh, other recent episodes include writer David Quantic, uh, who writes for Veep and Thick of It, and there's also a great one on there from poet Jemima Foxtrot. Uh, you can subscribe to One Track Minds through iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, or you can just check out their website, www.onetrackminds.uk. Um, okay. Right, well, look, I have to go somewhere. A crime is happening, but I will be back in about two weeks' time with the roughly two-year birthday episode. Uh, Thanks for listening to Imaginary Advice. See you soon. Not, not, not see you soon, because it's a podcast. Anyway. Imaginary. Oh, nice.